the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, AsianBoxing.info. And Scott, we've been hit with an avalanche. Oh my goodness. A lot of news to get to, but before we get to the news surrounding and swirling around Asian boxing, let's talk about this past weekend. There are many cards. Uh, why don't we start with Gesta's loss to Rodriguez? Yeah, um, Gesta was really disappointing, let's be honest. He'd been tipped and hyped and raved about for years. And whilst he'd lost a couple, he'd lost to world-class fighters. And then this weekend, it seemed like he couldn't bother to even make weight. Rodriguez put in a fantastic performance, but you got to ask questions as to whether or not Hester really wants to be in the spot right now. Uh, what do you think is next for him? I don't know. I know the bout was originally contracted at £135 before it was changed to £138 at Hester's request. So I imagine a move to 140 where he's going to look tiny if, if he actually continues. Yeah, that's one of those where you kind of rethink this boxing life after getting beat up a little. Uh, Hesta, he lost. Also, a loss on the docket for someone who's at 140 as well. Um, a Filipino fighter as well in Sismundo. That was brutal. Sismundo has been a great servant to Asian boxing. He's been a fantastic journeyman. He's really just been in with everybody that's anybody in Asia. Goes over to the US um, this past Saturday and Drops Dadashev, he actually gives Dadashev a good test, then walks into a two-punch combination. It would not tell anyone at 140. Dadashev, he's dangerous. I mean, that's a guy who is up and coming, undefeated. And, you know, for Sismundo to hang in there and, and fight well in, in those couple of, of rounds, I mean, it was it was okay. But like you said, that one-two just kind of dropped him. Yeah, Sisman doesn't get stopped very often, so that's really impressive by Dadashev. But you kind of wonder whether or not Sismundo's hard career has perhaps caught up with him a bit. He's not had the easiest of journeys. Even the sort of guys he's been fighting recently have been like Eve Ulysses Jr., Gislam Maduma, Dieri Jean, Jose Felix, Bata Akhmadov. He's been in there with a who's who of prospects. And then this weekend, you also had a Thai card, a Filipino card, and a Kaza card. Uh, the Thai and Filipino card on Saturday, the Kaza card on Sunday. What were some of the highlights from each of those cards? Michael Dasmarinas beating Kenny Demasillo in an IBF uh, bantamweight title eliminator in the Philippines. It was a good fight. It wasn't one of those fight-the-year contenders. It wasn't an all-action warring thing but it was a good technical fight it was a sort of fight that perhaps shows that neither guy is really world class but by the same token it shows that Dasmarinas is on the way there he's maybe two or three fights seasoning wise before then he's been around for years but he's perhaps not faced those bigger tougher tests that he needs to on the same card Samuel Salva beat Rene Mark Quarto to move was an IBF middleweight title fight. Salva really impressed. Salva was perhaps the, the guy that impressed the most on that show. The Thai card, which was, uh, was it shown in the zone in the US? Is that right? Yes. Um, yeah, it's Workpoint Boxing at back, and the Workpoint shows for the last year or so have been absolutely brilliant. They set the new bar in how Thai boxing's actually Sean for years it was just any old crap on any old 
they're now work point you've gotten and they've set a bar which fights need to match up to. Disappointingly, the guy that anyone's tuning in for, Happy Ship Pitchmani, he didn't show what he could do. He beat Shota Swito of Japan and he did what he had to do. He didn't do what he would have wanted to do. Perhaps more notable on that card was Annette Ruen Roeng beating Brian Lobatania. Uh, at Super Bantamweight, well above the weight that Rowan Roeng really made his name at. The Kazakh card, the Kazakh card was strangely disappointing. It was full of really good prospects like Nezlatan Zangabayev, Edosi Bosinuli, and Sadrudin Akhmadov, but Zangabayev's opponent didn't want to be there. Your Bosinuli wanted to wrestle rather than box, and Akhmadov was the only one that really shone against John Ruber. There's a lot of action but perhaps it wasn't the highest quality over the weekend. Over the weekend, we did get to see what was possibly one of the better fights of the year in Lipinets versus Peterson. Really brutal fight where both guys stayed in the phone booth. Uh, what did you think of Lipinets' performance? It was good. <laughs> really good. Really impressive. Really exciting. It's why Lipinets was raved about when he was earlier in his career. Yeah, he couldn't match up with Mikey Garcia, but not many fighters are actually able that. When he's matched well, Lipinitz is a really fun guy to watch. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes next, though, because he may, may find himself not good enough to win a title at 147, but too big to make 140. He's kind of in that no-man's land, right? Because I like his style, but I don't know if his style is going to carry over to 147 because of the guys who are up there. There's a lot of power, and if he wants to win a title, I don't know if that's the place. Now, one four zero, there's still some solid guys, but I think he could hang a little bit more there. Yeah. Although, on the other side of that, perhaps he wouldn't get a shot at 140 for a while. He was overlooked for the Dewey BSS. The... <clears throat> He's a bit of a who-needs-him, I guess, which maybe makes him more attractive at 147 for opponents. It's, it, 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 do you think it's because his style is so violent that people are like, we don't want to touch him, we don't want to get anywhere close? Yeah, quite possibly. He's hard. He's a tough guy. He hits hard. He He's not an attractive fighter to fight. He's not got the big money behind him. He's he's a nightmare to promote, I assume, as well. We also got to see the grandson of Flash of Lorde fight against Kawashima, and that was one of the better fights of the weekend as well. One that Elorde won, but Kawashima, I think he could have came away with the victory. Yeah, this was technical boxing. It was brilliant. It was was exciting. It was interesting. It was intriguing from the first round to last. A one Miguel Elorde narrowly beat Shohai Kawashima. It's one of those bouts that was massively overlooked but really did put on a fantastic show. The telling thing, perhaps, and the worrying thing for Lauder is he's in line for a world title fight, and he's nowhere close to world class. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the skills to compete with the very best. You think it's it's the name, him having that Lauder name, and um, you, you can sell that fight with that last name. Yeah, he also has a long winning run on the WBO Asia Pacific title, which I guess probably helps with his WBO ranking. Who would who would he fight there for um, the world title? 
it'd be the WBR champ. Uh, so one two two. Who's that? Is it Navarat? A dog ball? I think I think yeah. you're right. Now Navarat. So Navarat had beat him. Dogbo had beat him. He is in a position whereby you understand why he would push for a world title fight. He is getting on a bit. He does probably want that big pair there. He's probably got the fourth best Filipino at the weight. Yesterday, Mishiro and Watanabe, they headed a Japanese card. And Mishiro is continuing to climb up the ranks. And uh, he looked good in his super featherweight bout. Yeah, this was another one of those really fun tactical bouts. We'd expect tactical fights to be quite boring, quite dull, quite mundane. But these were both actually packed fights. So well-matched. They're really competitive from the first round. Mishiro is one of the rising stars of the Watanabe gym. It's only his eighth fight. He's already made two defenses of the Oriental title, the RPBF belt. Watanabe is... Watanabe's been a personal favourite. He's technically very good. Perhaps lacks in terms of speed and power, but he's been some absolute thrillers through his career. And anybody who wants to see a bloodbath watch his fight from Korea against Jason Lee, it was was like an abattoir. Now, Mishiro, he's undefeated, has that one draw that he had with Suryoshi. Uh, does he rematch him? Uh, what, what's kind of next for, for Mishiro? I think a rematch would be the best thing for both guys. And, and then perhaps the winner that heads towards a WBO title fight with Masayuki Ito, perhaps, or looks to a world title eliminator. Both guys are world-ranked. They're very well-matched. It's always good to see unification belt. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably the target that both would be aiming for late in the year. I mean, Shiro's pretty tall for a super featherweight. Is this the weight that you think he's going to stay at, or does he move up to lightweight? He probably sticks the weight, at least for the next few years. He's, he's not old. He's only 24, but he's also quite a mature guy. He's midweight relatively easily. He's... Yeah, this is probably his weight for the next three or four years. And there's also a, a couple other fights on, on the card. Who really impressed you there? I was impressed actually by a loser. Uh, Keita Nakano was beaten by Kisuke Sawada in what's their second bout. Despite losing his Nakano's 14th loss, he was really competitive with the informed Sawada. Sawada's now won 13 and drawn one of his last 14 after a couple of early defeats and Nakano held him quite tightly here. The other guy worthy of note is Hayate Kaji who defeated Anil Gard, uh, a Filipino journeyman of right rounds. Kaji had a lot of hype a few years ago and this is the second time he's underperformed in fights that he was expected to blow opponents away in. Perhaps it's a maturity thing there has been rumours from the Taikin that Kaji doesn't train properly, doesn't work properly. He's a bit mouthy with trainers at the moment. So perhaps, oh. yeah, uh, this has come from someone who worked at the Taikin gym and he uh, said Kaji's been answering trainers back. So maybe it's something that will change as he gets older. Yeah, usually how you learn is you get beat. And that's not learning the fun way. Um, so, again, a lot of great cards this past weekend, during the week. Uh, but upcoming this week, we have kind of a lot going on as well. And, and this is where things are starting to get moving. The ball starting to get rolling. We have a Chinese card, the 30th. We have Obara 
uh, versus Kuta Ratio, and then uh, the Kurura card. So let's first start off with this Chinese card. Uh, what are the notable bouts on this one? The notable ones are Beshambo Nasi Wula versus Yusuke Kono, Wulan Tulehatsi versus Ryota Yamauchi, the return of Shokimura, who fights Pygmy Kakichim, and I really like the look of Fan Yong Zhang versus Ryuto Makwara. Beshambo is known in the US for, I think, his bout with Frederick Lawson in a Evander Holyfield tournament that started well and then just vanished. Does anyone know what happened to that? Yeah, what did happen to that Evander Holyfield tournament? It had lots of promise, it had an international feel, and then it vanished for visa issues or something. And it's like, can you finish that, please? It's a good idea. What's up with tournaments in boxing? How do they not work out? He should be kind of, that shouldn't really be too hard about. Shokimura, former WBO flyweight champion, fighting for the first time since Kosei Tanaka beat him last year. Should really steamroll Pygmy Kakichim. It shouldn't be competitive. Wulan Tulahatsi versus Ryota Yamauchi is the bout on the card. It's two fantastic guys. Tulahatsi is world ranked. He's going places. He beat JR Raquinel earlier this year. Uh, sorry, last year. Uh, Ryota Yamauchi is one of the best prospects in Japan. He's taken a massive step up in his first international bout and when he would put him in the world rankings after just four or five bouts. Throwing him into the fire. To the wolves. To the wolves, yeah. To the Wulan Tlatsi wolves. Tlatsi is a very awkward guy. Like Quite a lot of these change fighters. He's strong. He's awkward. He's, he's not pretty to watch, but he's not easy to beat. Japanese fighters don't get a lot of uh, exposure on American TV, but you'll be able to watch Obara if you have ESPN Plus, I believe. And he's in for a welterweight IBF eliminator, title eliminator. Uh, what do you think Obara is going to do this weekend? Obara is always dangerous. He has really, really heavy hands. Unfortunately, he's, um, he's got a reputation for getting knocked out spectacularly as well. Fans who followed him would likely have seen him get knocked out of the ring against Eduard Trinovsky, um, and would also have seen him being iced by Arvin Lagumba last year in what was a rare double knockdown. Unfortunately for Obara, Lagumba got up rather quickly and he didn't. Kudratilla, uh, he's the much more skilled, much more natural fighter, the more pure boxer, the faster hands, the smarter movement. It's going to be incredibly hard for Obara to hold with him. Obara, again, at 147, just a tough weight for a lot of Japanese fighters. Really haven't succeeded at welterweight. But I did read, and this was on AsianBoxing.info, that he watched Rocky for the first time. That might give him some uh, inspiration. Yeah, apparently before the bout was announced, he'd never seen Rocky, and then just watched the entire series and ever since. Um... A fight like Rocky probably won't do him any favors given how spectacular he is uh, at getting stopped. Tsubasa Kuruda, one of the stars in Japan right now at minimum weight, young, talented, undefeated. He's also fighting this weekend. 
Yeah, his fight against Lita Dante will be the next OPF middleweight title defense from Cora. It'll be shown on Boxing Rays. It's, um, on paper, this is a horrific mismatch. Cora's 14 of the rising star of Japan. Dante's 15, 10, and 4. The reality, though, is this could be a lot trickier than people seem to have made out in their mind. Dante doesn't get stopped. He's twice gone the distance with Vic Solidar. He's gone the distance with Simfway Concord. He's gone the dis- well, he's gone to a technical decision with Jesse Espinus. He's a really, really tough, tough guy, and he'll certainly take Curra into the later rounds. If Curra blows him out, then it'd be a massive statement and a massive surprise. So kind of a big test for him. Also on this card, Tsuyoshi Tameda, the featherweight. Uh, he's going to be getting back in the old ring as well. Tomeda is someone that I guess a lot of fans don't know anything about, but he is he's all action, he's fun, he's a huge puncher. But unfortunately for him, last time out he was knocked out by Hinata Maruta. He does lose to sort of that title-level guy. He's been the distance with Simpway Vetyeka, got stopped by Rie Abe, but below... I say, below Japanese title level, he will pretty much blow people away. It's what he's been doing for years now. So we have fights last weekend, great fights this week as well. But the news line, Scott, is just blowing up. I mean, your phone must be going crazy. You probably have like four phones going off right now because news in and around Asian boxing, all of a sudden, it just came up, came on us like a huge avalanche. And, uh, I, hey, we're happy about it, but what do you have for us? It's okay, so where do we start, don't we? Uh, this, yes. morning we had, this morning we had the big Shinsai announcement that um, their 3-0 prospect, Kasumi Sieki, will fight Elizabeth Lopez for the WBO minimum weight title. Sieki is arguably the most naturally talented female fighter on the planet. She's such a joy to watch. The title has become vacant after a stalemate at Sukatada has vacated the belt to chase a Dewey BC title fight because Tada wants to have held all four titles. So that was kind of a bit of a keeping it in the family event. The same press conference also saw the official announcement that Rhea Kenishi would face IBF light flyweight champion Felix Alvarado on May 19th. Oh, that's a juicy bout. That's a tough one, isn't it? I, I say that's 50-50. That's a toss-up. Also, in one of the most strange news stories of the week, I guess, uh, former WBA bantamweight super champion Anselmo Marino will be facing Chinese fighter Sen Chen. Um, in airport, I don't know where Sen Chen's name has uh, come from, but that's a really strange one. Do you think they uh, missed, a, missed a translation or something like that? It's got to be something weird, isn't it? Uh, it be Marino's first bout since he was um, stopped by Julio Serra about two years ago. Kind of wonder if perhaps he's... Perhaps Marino needs the money. I don't know. I can't really understand why he'd be back. Um, what else have we had? Oh, boy, it's been a stupidly busy week. Yesterday, we also saw uh, the announcement that Ryoichi Tamura and Yusaku Kuga will have their rematch. Um, they fought in 2017 with Kuga now retaining the Super Bantamweight title, uh, the Japanese Super Bantamweight title that Tamura now holds. That should be a lot of fun. 
<laughs> also yesterday, Masahiro Sakamoto announced his next bout. It'll take place in Osaka and see him face Yusuke Sakashita for the WBO Asia Pacific flyweight title that he vacated before he fought Maruti Mathlana. On that show, Ben Mananquil will face Yuki Strong Kobayashi in what should be a really, really good fight. I think Mananquil's underrated and Kobayashi's a very technically good fighter, just a bit chinny. Kazuto Ayoka has essentially confirmed rumours that he'll be fighting for the WBO title at Super Flyweight in June, having recently linked up with Reason, um, who who run the Dangan gyms in Japan. So he'll be fighting Polite in or around June in Tokyo. Oh, man, that's going to be fun. And please, Aoka, can you win? Can you win so we could set up a bout with you and Tanaka? That's what I want to see. That seems to be what... Uh, Tanaka wants, although there may be one or two people who want to have a uh, have an argument like that. Apparently, Koki Eto will be facing unbeaten uh, Puerto Rican Javier Cintron in a eliminated first the winner of Ioka and Polita, with that belt penciled in for uh, May twenty fifth as part of the next card with Masayuki Ito. So. So there's other guys in line then, waiting for Ioka. Yeah, literally chasing him by the sounds of it. I wouldn't want to see Eto getting with Ioka all plate. I think really take a lot of punishment. Yeah, those guys yeah. are just a, a touch above Eto. Yeah, but Cintron against you—that could be quite fun. Cintron impressed me when he was at the Olympics for you. Uh, was that in 2012? Now, 2016. Gosh, I believe 2012. Time flies. Oh. Another really good bout announced this week was Nikito Arakawa versus Denis Berinchik, which will take place on April 20th. The Japanese Rocky back in the ring. Against a destructive Ukrainian. That is going to be violent. Yeah, it's must-watch TV, that one. I've always just wished Arakawa had more punching power, because if he did, he'd be a wrecking ball. That guy can take a punch. Talk about wrecking balls? Segway. Uh, Kita Kurihara will defend his OFBF title against Walito Perinas on May 10th. Between them, these guys have got like five decision wins and 39 wins. They are both heavy, heavy handed guys, both aggressive. Kurihara will be making his first defense, whilst Perinas will be ending his second or third retirement. That has the potential to be really brutal. In a little bit of relaxing news, I guess, we now know who Genjiro Shigeyoka, Siya, Satsumi, and Sarutakida will be fighting on April 14th. Shigeyoka will be taking on Joel Lino, a Filipino with a 10-1-1 record. Oh my, yeah. Lost... <clears throat> oh my, and then you realize who that loss came to was Master Takatani Gucci last year. I remember that, I mean, that... and that was a good bout, that went the distance, if I'm correct. Yeah, what a step up that is for Shigeyoka. He's taken on a really tough, talented young Filipino. Which is good. That's what we've been asking for from Shigeyoka. Because his first couple fights, it was just like, yeah, this guy's special. Now let's throw him in with someone who's good. Yeah, he's got all the skills. Let's test him. Let's see what he's actually made of. Let's see what happens when someone hits him back. Um, And this should be that sort of test. 
how tall how tall is Shigeoka? I think he's about five foot three, five foot five. I don't think he's particularly tall, but he's still in nineteen, so it's a he good chance he grow. Will. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's a bit of a physical freak when you look at him. Especially at minimum weight. Yeah, there's no way he's staying at that weight for the next three or four years. He is such a muscular kid. And perhaps worrying news, Kenya Yamashita and Riku Nagahama have both left the Shirai Gushiken Sports Gym. Um, we mentioned Kokieto earlier, and there's rumours that he may leave as well, with the SGS perhaps on the verge of closing. Why is everyone leaving uh, Yoko's gym? It's hard to say. There hasn't actually been official reasons as to why, but Kenya Yamashita has gone to the JB Sports Gym and Nagahama has become the latest signing for the Kadoebi Gym, who seems to be snapping up every Japanese fighter between 130 and 160 at the moment. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how many fighters they can get on their staple in these sorts of weights because there's... They can't fight each other, so there must be some sort of big plan here. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I, I am a big fan of Yoko Gushikin, and I don't know if guys keep on leaving his gym, he might not have a gym anymore. Yeah, I think right now you've got Yoshimitsu, Kimura, Daigo Higa, and Kokieto, about the only three worthy of mentioning. If Higa continues to associate with the Ohashi gym like it has been recently, there's a chance he could leave and perhaps Kashikin's gym is going to close. I know before Higa won his title that Kashikin was talking about closing anyway. So there's a chance that perhaps it's Yoko saying, go on guys, this isn't going to be open much longer. That's okay. I mean, I'm sure that's a lot of work for him and he can uh, ride off into the sunset and do television hits, which he's very good at. Yeah, if that's... We've seen other gym leaders shutting gyms recently for similar reasons, so it may not be the worst thing. It'd give, it'd give some of the guys chances to work at more established gyms and work with better fighters. And it could be very positive for the fighters. It could give Gushikin more time to himself. It, it might be a positive in the end. One more thing I want to, to touch on is Hisada possibly going to fight Acosta? That's been the rumor, rumor mill out the uh, out the Puerto Rico recently. But, and it's a big but, we don't know when. Uh, what was announced this week was Hisada will be fighting on April 20th against Stevenus Nanal Bao. Uh, originally, he was penciled in for that show as an exhibition against Kanishi, although with Kanishi now having that Alvarado belt, that exhibition has been cancelled. I think that's okay. I think uh, Konishi's all right with that. I think Konishi's all right with that, and I don't think Hisada's that unhappy. He gets to have a end high bout to shake any ring rust before potential Acosta bout. Is the Fukuhara uh, Wang Hang fight being pushed back? It's been pushed back to I think the twenty fourth of April. Um, yeah, Why? It's, like the four. Uh, it's been rearranged a dozen times already. Uh, I don't know if it's something to do with the recent change in Thai TV and how Channel 7 won't be showing as much boxing, or whether it's trying to double up with a knockout CP Fresh Map bout or something else, but what a mess. 
it was originally announced for March 1st, then March 29th, then March 31st, then March 29th again, then indefinitely suspended, and now we find out it's late April. Very frustrating, very poorly done from Diamond Promotion. All over the place. All, over, But that's okay, because look at all the bouts that we have coming up. That's one we will keep in the back of our minds, but a lot of people, I mean, we're going to get to see um, Shigeoka back in the ring, and Konishi's going to have a title fight, and the list goes on and on and on. And this news all came basically down the pipe this week, so I'm glad we were able to jump on the Asian Boxing Podcast and relay it to the fans out there. It's nice. It's nice to see fights starting to pick up. We did mention that the that things were going to start happening, and it's just a shame that perhaps it took a week or two longer than they had to. Again, it's AsianBoxing.info. You can read all the stories. You can listen to our podcast on there. You can watch videos of a bunch of Asian fighters and uh, read a bunch of great features as well, Scott. And the Asian boxing team does a great job with that. But it's been the Asian Boxing Podcast. And Scott, next week, we're going to have a great show as well. And hopefully some more news coming up. Fingers crossed. Uh, we've not heard a great deal about what's happening next with Hirota Kaigushi or Kenshiro or Ryota Marata. So announcements for them won't be too far away. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>